0: These women are told they have cancer. The mm-hmm. First thing you think about when you're given that diagnosis is, I'm going to die.
1: Yeah. But as a plastic surgeon, you're talking about how this disease is going to affect the way you feel. It's highly impressive. And I know when you started out, of course, you worked for some other people and with people. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when did it come that you said one day, all right, it's time to step out and It it, it
0: sounds like, oh, gee, thanks. I'm going to meet somebody for the first time. Hey, I'm Vince Naiman. I'm a plastic surgeon. I'm going to do an operation which either is going to save or lose your life.
1: Vince, where's your story? What's your background? Where'd you come from? What was the, uh, did you you always want to be a doctor? You know, as a child coming up, what was your life like?
0: Well, I grew up in um, New York, in Queens, Mm -hmm. New York. So uh, most people can picture New York. They think of Times Square. But just imagine a sprawling metropolis that goes on for miles and mm. miles. To, to put it in perspective, I grew up on a street called 238th Street.
1: <laughs> it just shows
0: you yeah. the Yeah, of golly. Off of 120th Avenue. I mean, this is like a huge grid.
1: Wow. And, and, and your brothers and sisters, how many, were you in the yeah. middle, the youngest? The youngest, or youngest of
0: three. Okay. So mom and dad at home, raising three kids and... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, two might have been enough, but they decided to have a third. <laughs> you know, you see what happened. But, uh, but my, my sisters were, you know, five and seven years my older, mm-hmm. my older. And, uh, my parents, you know, taught us a lot of things that were important. Mm-hmm. A lot of what I treated my success to are things that you learn mm-hmm. as a little kid. Yeah. You know, being polite and how of, you know, working hard, mm-hmm. being dependable, being true to your word and so forth. My yeah.
1: Pretty strict about that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, and and even studying in school, where they big on make sure you do your grades, don't work. And, oh, yeah, and they emphasize education.
0: Yeah, So that's your pathway to success in life is through mm-hmm. education. And you know, it wasn't a matter of you know, well, I did better than Billy, and I did. Yeah, you know, Johnny didn't do that well either. She goes, no, we, don't tell me what you did better. Than. <laughs> that's tell me right. Who did better than you. That's and, right. And what's the difference and why you couldn't do? Wow. So we always were encouraged. Yeah. Encouraged that's right. So, that's right. Yeah, it got to be fun. I
1: mean. Yeah. So now when you went to college, where'd you go to school? College? Well, I went at? to Prince University. Yeah, that's right. In New Jersey. And, yeah. Um, and that was a, a wonderful
0: time. Yeah. Just a lot of bright kids, mm-hmm. uh, all the resources you need, and, um, and a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. You had to have good grades just to get in
0: there, though. You had to have very good grades. Yeah. The chance of getting into Princeton is incredibly low. I, I can't imagine I can get in today. Really? Mm. I mean, it just yeah, it? It gets more and more competitive every year. Uh-huh. And, Gosh. Uh, we, uh, I came out of a very competitive high school, which helped mm-hmm. me. Uh, it, was a, it was like a, what they call a magnet school here. Right. Like specialized uh, high school. So I kind of was into that whole competitive testing. Group. Yeah. So that helped me out quite a lot.
1: Yeah. And you're on the board now at Princeton, aren't you? Oh no! Not oh, really. I thought you were.
0: I'm no, sure. no. I, I am on the. Uh, I'm on a committee that helps interview. Oh, okay. Interview uh, candidates. So, yeah. And what, what Princeton tries to do, knowing that they're only going to accept six or seven percent of the people who apply, mm-hmm. they try to extend the courtesy of let me interview every single person who applies. Let's offer and mm-hmm. sit down and talk to them. And the way they do that do that is through alumni who volunteer to be alumni interviewers. Yeah, so oh, I'm cool. So I'm in that, for yeah. George. I'm one of the alumni interviewers. So I get to meet six or seven or eight ask students cool. and interview them and tell them about Princeton and just get yeah. a good vibe.
1: So when you were at Princeton, let me ask you this, You're in college now. Did you know then you wanted to be a doctor? Were you already taking biology and things like that? Mm -hmm. Okay. When I was in
0: high school, I just had that sense like medicine was going to be
1: my thing. Really? Yeah. Now did because now you're in plastic surgery, but were you always planning on that, or was it? No. uh, Interestingly, I wanted to be a trauma surgeon. Uh-huh. And
0: uh, early in college, I spent a uh, summer at Harlem Hospital. I got to see all the shootings and stuff, mm-hmm. and all the, like, like yeah. watching MASH. You know? uh-huh. <laughs> it was yes, crazy that's right. Yep. And I said, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And um, that was my goal. And when I started medical school, uh, I met a, a fellow in anatomy class who started mm-hmm. telling me things that sounded crazy. So, yeah. Oh, this is the fibula bone. It's the smaller bone in the leg. And uh, we use this to make jaws. And then use it to make what yeah. he goes oh yeah we take it we build you know, new jaws for people who lose their jaws to mm-hmm. cancer I'm like crazy that's, that's yeah. ridiculous and then he mentioned some other areas of the body that he reused it to make other parts of the body I'm like what kind of doctor are you <laughs> oh that's plastic surgery and yeah, well, up till then my view of plastic surgery was like cosmetic and skin uh-huh. and things like that yeah. I never imagined that they were like rebuilding body parts Yeah, like, other body parts Yeah, and it just intrigued me I said well how do you become a plastic surgeon he said well you have to complete general surgery training, mm-hmm. and then you can go on to do plastic surgery training. Right. And that's when the light went off. I said, well, I was planning on doing general surgery training anyway. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, so if all else fails, I'll just be you know, yeah. a, a trauma surgeon like I wanted to be.
1: What a way to help people, though, because I know I knew a lady who he actually here, <clears throat> and you did the surgery on her. She had cancer and had to have a, a mastectomy and a and total reconstruction and she called me, <clears throat> and when she called me, she said, uh, do you know a good doctor? And I said, fortunately for you, I do. And so I prayed with her on the phone and then told her where to go. And uh, next thing I know, you you had already seen her. I think her doctor may have even recommended. And, um, and that, I remember seeing, I, I asked Amy about that at that time. I said, I guess for a woman, you know, that would be one of those areas where you would, it would just feel like it takes away your self-esteem, your confidence, everything. And and it just made me realize how, how much you're, work does more than just cure the physical uh, you, you really help the soul you help the peace the state of, of mind you you really put put kind of their, their life back together so that's got to be satisfying
0: it is it is satisfying and it's a unique role that we play like yeah. you point out because these women are told they have cancer the mm-hmm. first thing you think about when you're given that diagnosis is i'm going to
1: die yeah i'm
0: not gonna to be able to raise my kids and you worry and mm-hmm. so forth And then you're going to meet a lot of doctors who talk to you about, you know, chemotherapy or surgery or radiation or things that are either going to prolong or maybe even cure the disease. Mm -hmm. But as a plastic surgeon, you're talking about how this disease is going to affect the way you feel. Yeah. Here the disease is threatening your life. And then, like you say, Mm -hmm. taking away a part of your body, which you associate with your, who you are as a person. Yeah. That's right. And because we get to talk about how they feel, we really kind of become like the surgeon who's also like a, almost like a counselor mm-hmm. if you can imagine. Right. Because we just sort of follow them through and because reconstruction is a very long process, we're there with them when they get the radiation, we're there with them when we get the chemo. Wow. And we're there when all that's ending because usually when that ends is where we complete our
1: mm-hmm. reconstructive
0: steps. So we wow. really become close like this. Yeah. Friends, as we
1: now what is, let me ask you, what's the, what's the most difficult surgery to do? If somebody, if, they, if you say, oh no, i got to do one of the MR uh, well,
0: I well first of all, I look forward to doing every surgery that I do I look forward to doing. Right. Uh, and if there are some surgeries I don't want to look I don't look forward to doing, I just don't press my repertoire. I say, Well, yeah, let's call somebody else. I don't do that anymore. Right. But I yeah. look forward to all of it. But there are surgeries that take a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think most people associate that with like, oh, grueling surgery. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we'll have patients who um who get into trauma, particularly a lower extremity. And break both the bones in their leg and then rip all the skin off of it. Mm-hmm. The bone doctors can put the bones together, but you gotta have flesh over it mm-hmm. for that bone to, to survive. So we've got to transplant, let's say, here we go again, move yep. around, but transplant muscle from maybe the belly mm. and transplant into the leg and cover up that bone. And, uh, wow. and you know that your work is the, is the, tipping point of whether that person keeps or loses their leg. Yeah. Like, oh, gee, thanks. I'm going to meet somebody for the first time. Hey, I'm Vince Naiman. I'm a plastic surgeon. I'm going to do an operation which either is going to save or lose your leg. Yeah. That's right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. A, a, and how many of these have you done? How, yeah. how they look? Can I interview them? Oh, yeah. I mean, it is, uh, you know, it's, a, it's a tough spot to be in. Yeah.
0: But, I get, but very gratifying. But the surgery itself, you, know, you have to imagine you've got two areas of the body you're working on. You're using microscopes. You're sewing together blood vessels that are the size of a pencil lid God. using sutures the size of human hair. Huh. And, uh, it's, it's you got to concentrate. you got to relax. And Oftentimes, you're not doing this like, you know, first thing in the morning. They're always scheduled. Yeah. Sometimes you're doing it at like odd hours. And then wow. when you finish, should there be any interruption in the blood flow, so mm-hmm. you have to run back okay. and wash it out and fix
1: it. Again. Wow. And the same stakes are, you know, the same mm-hmm. things. At, at Gosh. So the tension really would be there, like you said about concentrate and relax. Yeah, yeah that's a, and, and most people won't, won't get that because one, you know, w- cancels out the other one. You know, Jeez. I'm so focused, I'm tense. Yes, but but it is true. You know, it's I know in speaking, public speaking. I, be, I was telling my son a while back. I said, No, no, you've studied enough, okay? Because he's overstudied. I said, now you got to relax. If you're tense, they feel it. Yes. If you walk up and you're tense, they start, uh, just like a dog, can feel your vibe. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's an interesting balancing act. Yeah. And uh, a lot of it to me is uh, breathing. Little things that, that you wouldn't,
0: if you saw me do the surgery, you wouldn't even think about it. But like, where is my chair positioned? Do I have cushions under my hands? Where's my microscope setting? Mm. Just breathing. And then, um, it's funny. This, this sounds like almost yeah. like superstition, but I'm looking in the microscope. So these little tiny structures look huge in my oh. eyes. But of course, any movement you make also looks huge. Yeah. So you're using <clears throat> your fingers like barely yeah. moving it. And the other thing I did was I try not to look at what I'm working at with my naked eye.
1: Yeah. It's okay. almost like
0: being on a tall building. Like you can look out, but if you look down, you're like, "Oh my god!" all right. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I can and that's see. what it feels
0: like. When I look at them like those little tiny things, yeah, no way. But I look at them scope, I'm like, "Oh no, they're not tiny. They're big. I can do this." <laughs> mm.
1: And you, yeah, and then you'd still have to listen to them telling you what the oxygen levels are and what all how the, you know the other people are talking to you about. This is going, or if you look at a machine or whatever, you see the heart rate. You, yeah, there's an anesthesiologist who's and they they cover kind of
0: that running that. So unless something goes sideways, yeah. I'm, I'm out of that. So.
2: Okay. If you enjoy listening to Bill on these podcasts and it is just not enough, you just want to hear more content, you need to sign up to become a BP leadership member for only nine ninety nine a month. You get that membership and with that, you get over 200 leadership lessons that Bill has done over the years. Also, with that membership, you get free entry into our monthly BP Leadership Breakfast events. You have got to take advantage of this service, and you can do so by signing up on our website, bpleadership.com. That's bpleadership.com.
1: So you, they do you make the call if you said, you know, up something or down something? No, you, yeah. no I'm not like,
0: involved. They're, they're doing all of that. Yeah. And uh, for that kind of work, interestingly, the patients are
1: usually very stable
0: because mm-hmm. you're working on one little part of the body in Mm-hmm. You
1: don't have a whole lot going on at that Yeah. Thing, so. Yeah, that's the thing. It, it, the field is so big, and then there's so much to know. Uh, I remember when, when I had a heart bypass, I, I had a doctor in Atlanta that was fabulous. A friend had recommended him. He said, I can get you in. And all he did was robotic surgeries. Mm-hmm. He hadn't done a heart, he did, does heart transplants too, but he'd not done a bypass in like 10 years. But he said, I got to do it on you. We don't have time and all that stuff. So we go in there to do it. And uh, so later we go in the office and my wife starts asking questions. About, How about this? You know, cholesterol, so and so, And he said, Debbie, listen, I don't know one thing about medicines. And we go, what? You know, he's one of those brilliant guys. Yeah. You know? He said, I don't know. He said, look, I'm like the plumber. He said, I went in and did that job and there were other doctors that can tell you all this, but I try to stay in this lane. And so I wonder, is that what you. That is a
0: very good analogy. Mm-hmm. When I'm particularly during a surgery, I am going to be. Yeah, zeroed in on on that task, knowing that I can trust the people who are mm-hmm. worrying about the blood pressure. And again, they they may tell me, hey, uh, could you hold up a little bit? Or, or you know, is temperature's going down? Do you want ah. to do? I mean, they can interrupt. Yeah, I wonder me. how you communicate it. Yeah, each. so that's that's fine, but like I say, usually in those, they've got to come. Mm-hmm. The other thing is before we start, we kind of go with a game plan. Mm-hmm. I say, listen, make sure we got this much urine output. I want you to use these medications. I want you to try to avoid these other medications. So mm-hmm. we've already got a. Kind of game plan before. Right. You in. But these operations, you know, I've had a few that are really quick, mm-hmm. three, four hours. Mm-hmm. I've had some that have been eight to 12 hours. Yeah. So yeah. that's the part, that's the part that really tests you when, um, yeah. When, when let's say you're four or five hours in and then something happens where you're like, oh no, I gotta kind of redo something. And now we're adding another couple of hours
1: and you just, you
0: just can't get upset. You just yeah. Kind of, this is, this is. Now,
1: how long should a person stay under? Any idea that Oh, I mean, look it up. I mean it probably serves the last twenty four hours. Really? You
0: know, wow. You know, twin separations or those kind you know, Siamese twins and, and there's some mm-hmm. Face transplants? Yeah. I don't do, but, <laughs> oh, really? But yeah.
1: Wow. Now, do you ever watch any of these, or seen these shows? You know, the botch show yeah. and things. Like, and and I mean, I, they do some pretty impressive work for some of the botches they see. Yeah. But I, I wonder, do to ever look at those kind of things. So well, that's an interesting procedure. Or, no. Or yeah. I really don't. I just, yeah. I just
0: you know it's kind of like. Yeah, I, I put, it, I <laughs> yeah. put it in my 12 hours. I got my field of plastic surgery. I'm <laughs> going right. to go home
1: and watch sports or something. Yeah, 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 you'd have to shut it off and have a separate life. That's what yeah, yeah. right, let me ask you this. On uh, your your surgery center, where you've got, you have built a phenomenal. And I know when you started out, of course, you worked for some other people and with mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Um, when when did it come that you said one day, All right, it's time to step out and it, step it, in? It
0: sounds like every seven years, something like this happens. Uh-huh. So I got here in 95. I joined... Uh, Butch Cochran, who's, uh, who's gone on to his reward, but mm-hmm. a close friend for many, many years. Mm-hmm. I worked with him and Richard Wilson and Sonny Pagadala. And right in about seven years, I felt like I was kind of moving in a different direction. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to leave them on uh, friendly, a friendly way, but start my own practice. Mm-hmm. So in 2002, seven years after I started, I came yeah. and opened up a small practice uh, out on uh, uh, Willsley, uh Boulevard now little office on Dino Office Park, and it was small practice, suitable for one doctor, mm-hmm. and um, it was just, I guess, good timing. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it, it got really busy really fast, mm-hmm. and I felt like the Lord was giving me affirmation. Yeah. And it was odd because, uh, let's say, three or four of those seven years, mm-hmm. I was really apprehensive about doing this, and uh, I took it to my my, um, my Bible study group and mm-hmm. uh, just, just asking them to pray for me and all this. And, of course, after it was done, I was like, yeah, this this wasn't that different. That's right. If you don't know in the end, that's yeah. yeah, but 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 still, the timing just seemed to be yeah. right. I picked the right time to go because I was just getting known the community, and now have my own practice, really open up more time for patients to find me and mm-hmm. come see me and what have you. So about seven years in there, I said, you know, if I stay in this office, you know, one day I'll just stop working and somebody else has to start from scratch, etc. Mm-hmm. I said, if I build a bigger center. I'll be able to offer surgery at the same site and have an office big enough for two, three, four doctors. And for all that Columbus has done for me, I can mm. do something for them by leaving mm. a legacy of quality care yeah. that's local, that's that's you know faith based and all mm-hmm. this stuff. So we said, let's build,
1: mm. let's build yeah. the office that you mentioned, yeah. Yeah. which
0: was three times as large <laughs> as the office I was coming out of. Yeah. Now, you know a little bit about business. You know that uh, you know, there's income. And
1: there's three times hours. expense. Well, that's <laughs> yeah. right. It's going to take a little while to come out of that. And uh, it, it,
0: it took a fair amount of faith to say, this is what I think I'm, I should be doing. So I built that office in 2010 and started mm-hmm. to see if I could attract any partners to come in. By the same token, I wanted to also be certain that I could support that office right. without a partner. I wouldn't be saying, hey, come join me. That's right. Keep, keep this ship from sinking. That's right. I don't want to get into that situation. Well, it turns out I would have uh, six years of working alone in a huge Mm -hmm. building. But uh, by God's grace, uh, we had a partner coming in 2016. I just brought another one in this year. Good. Yeah. 2021. So it just seems like, all right,
1: I see the pieces coming together. Yeah, and that's an all-inclusive facility. I mean, it's basically you... Now, you can almost do, do, can you spend the night there? Because you can yeah, almost do everything else. Almost. <laughs> so that's, that's a, about the only thing lacking. Which that. is <coughs> interesting
0: because so much surgery is now being transitioned to outpatient surgery. We find yeah. That, you know, why do you want to stay in the hospital? We're yeah. On germs, of course, now with COVID, that's even another concern. Um, people can take care of you at home. You're in a familiar environment. So a lot of surgery is to to outpatient. Mm-hmm. So this is what we do in our centers. We have outpatient surgery. And so when you say it's a complete system, I'm, I'm sure you're referring to the fact that if you come in for a consult. Yeah. You're in the same building. Yeah. If you decide you want to have an operation, it will take place on the other side of that same mm-hmm. building. Yeah. In a place that will look like a like a little hospital. Yeah. And everybody's always amazing. Like, it's yeah, it's like this a surgery comfort. center. Yeah, yeah. It's a yeah. Surgery center. Um, we have uh, three O.R.s there, and a large recovery suite, and staff to take care of all the things that would be. At a hospital, and the reason I know that is because it's certified by the state,
1: uh-huh. and they come in they and some, every three years to make
0: sure all the eyes done. it's
1: highly impressive, though. I'm telling you, of all the, you know, the ones that I know, even in this area, it just surpasses everything. It's fabulous. Um wow. uh, thank you. Yeah,
0: uh, I will say that I have an eye for the aesthetic, and I
1: yeah, I, I should. Yeah, I
0: tried to make it a place that would be inviting. And, yeah, and, and, and less anxiety for patients to come in. I mean, this is elective surgery, and it can sometimes be daunting for somebody. Say, yeah. Well, am I doing this? And, you know, am I doing the right thing? Yeah. And they just feel like, okay, like, peace. This yeah. Is,
1: this is what That's, I, I know. Now, yeah, what's crazy about that, um, I, I was thinking about this with you. Have you... I had a friend that was a funeral home director and he said, When I look at people I, I quickly see, you know, what size they are and, and 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 I yeah, and I look at souls, you know, I look at somebody and say, I wonder if where they're gonna spend eternity. When you look at people, you, can you can you not even shut it off sometimes say they need an eye lift or face lift do you do that or No. I uh, I shut it off. Okay. I shut it off. Um
0: when it comes to cosmetic surgery, mm-hmm. think about it. I mean it, we think about it like from the physical, you know, right. a guy, you know, different parts of the body that might need different kinds of work. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it's the person's own body image. Mm-hmm. So I can't look at a person and tell them what bothers them about right. their appearance. I have to first talk to them and say, you know, tell me what's bothering you and mm-hmm. how does it bother you and why does it bother you? Mm-hmm. It may not be the thing that seems most obvious. You know? Right. I remember years and years ago, I worked with a, with a woman, uh, I was involved in the Springer Theater and I... She was there. And I always noticed she had this. You know, I didn't like I say target it. Yeah, you couldn't help but notice she had this huge mole in a very obvious part of her face. I figured, right. you know, I noticed, I know,
1: she knows what people <laughs> I are can, living. I, I can think. fix it in ten yeah, minutes. Yeah, but you know, I just yeah, I just I wouldn't bring it up. Right, I'm not that kind of person. But lo and
0: behold, one day she shows into my office, uh. and I say, okay, <laughs> finally come. I you know, <laughs> That's right. get rid of this thing once and for all. <laughs> But, you know, you just walk in and You go, so, hey, good to see you. How can I help you? And she goes, well, I've got this thing growing on my face. And you try to look sort of yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, you... where?" And I started approaching it. And she goes, yeah, it's right here. <laughs> and it was a completely different spot. I was like, oh, that's fine. Yeah, it was it was cancer. No, it looks benign. <laughs> oh, thank God. And, and, anything, yeah. anything else I can help you with? No, that was it. <laughs> sure. Okay, well, then, you know, I'm here if you think of anything. All goodbye. Right, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny oh, so, so again uh, you don't know what's bothering somebody So no. I don't try to
1: look at people <laughs> you can't walk up just, just start let me get you a hold of this. that this yeah. that's right yeah I got to wonder. I said if I'm talking to him and he reaches over to him and he starts doing my chin tuck <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry habit it's bad habit, habit. <laughs> I know
2: thank you so much for watching this episode of the BP Leadership Podcast Now if you enjoyed this episode and all of our other ones, we need you to do a few things for us. We need you to subscribe to the channel if you have not already, need you to like these episodes, comment on these episodes, and share them with a friend. We want the world to see the incredible content that Bill Purpose is consistently pushing out right here on this platform, BP Leadership Podcast. So make sure you do that if you haven't subscribed already, whether that's on YouTube or all of our awesome audio platforms, that we're listed on so that everybody can hear this. So make sure you like, you comment, you subscribe, and you share the BP Leadership Podcast.